and um, tonight may not be a lot different from that. As I was preparing for tonight, um, the the material tonight I, I I just think is just simply outstanding. Uh, it's not my material. I believe Raymond Woodward was the author of this material, but it is just simply outstanding. And uh, this will be our fifth Wednesday night <clears throat> on this subject, the path to becoming whole. And um, we've introduced we introduce a principle, a word and a principle each Wednesday night. Our first one was the the word was realize. Everybody say realize. It's to realize I'm not God and to admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. The next, the following Wednesday night, our word for that night was earnestly and the principle behind that was to earnestly believe that God exists and that I matter to him. And that he has the power to help me recover. The third Wednesday night, the words that we use was consciously decide. The principle was to consciously choose to commit all of your life and will to Christ's care and control. Last Wednesday night, we talked to you about being open or openly. And that is to openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God and to someone that I trust. I want to give you a little brain teaser tonight, something you may want to remember to pay attention to. The first letter of the first word that we used on the first Wednesday night begins with the letter R. The word, the second word we used on the second Wednesday night begins with the letter E. The third Wednesday night, the words we use consciously decide begins with the letter C. And then the next Wednesday night, the word we used for that night was openly. Begins with the letter O. Everybody say O. So I'm giving you a little brain teaser. That might go somewhere if you choose to pay attention to it. Tonight, uh, this is the fifth part of this series. And I want to talk to you tonight. Our word for tonight is voluntarily. Voluntarily. What letter does it begin with? Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. One translation said, Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Blessed are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you like it or not, whether it's convenient or not, blessed are they who will do what God requires. So our principle tonight, the word is voluntarily. Voluntarily, The principle tonight we will talk about is voluntarily submit to every change. To every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove my character defects. And I'm going to ask all of you here tonight, whether you agree with what I have said so far, and especially this last quote that's on the screen, whether you agree with it or not, I'm going to ask you to at least be open-minded. There may be people here tonight that think I don't have any character defects. If you'll give me about 10 minutes with you after church, I might could help you on that subject. But for the people that I know here tonight... um, I mean, I could take, you know, this piece of paper and an ink pen and this piece of paper. This is meeting with you for 10 minutes, and we could tape it together like that and, I mean, probably come up with, you know, just fill this up right here. I may need a whole ream of paper, you know, the 500-sheet thing or whatever it is. I'm teasing, but you get the point. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Notice verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed 
How? By the renewing of your mind. In other words, you change the way you think. You change the way you think. We all have had hurts, and hurts are hard to forget. When you've been hurt by someone, a spouse, a parent, a child, a preacher, a pastor, a church, hurts are hard to forget. So we've all had hurts that are hard to forget. We have hang-ups that are hard to get rid of and habits that are hard to change. The older you get, the harder it gets, it seems. So that's why we're studying this subject tonight, the path to being whole. It's not only God's will to redeem my soul for eternity, but I believe it's God's will to also redeem my life here on earth, to make me as free in this life as I can be, free from anything and everything that has ever happened to me. Our text tells us that the way we are transformed is by having our minds changed. Somebody said one time, people's minds are like concrete. They're all mixed up and permanently set. Uh, I concur with that to a great degree. It's hard to change your mind. It's hard sometimes to change the way you think. So unless I can think differently, any changes I make in my life are only temporary because I will eventually revert back to my old thought patterns. They're also only an illusion because they're just an image I project instead of a reality that I live. We'll give you a prime example of what I'm talking about and all of you will understand it. There was a time when I weighed less at the same height I'm at right now, there is a time that I weighed less than 200 pounds. Now I weigh 200 and it's none of your business. Um, and when I got over that 200-pound mark, am I being a little TMI here tonight, too much information, whatever? If I am, so what? Uh, but when I crossed over that 200 mark there's some men here i'd love to call your name because you're in the same club i am buddy some of you are have been longer members in this club than i have i can promise you that and your membership is more weighty than mine um so i decided i was going to do something about it so uh sister murphy uh, volunteered to join this journey with me even though i didn't feel like she needed to but she did and uh, we did that Dr. Atkins diet where you can eat all the steak you want. Man, that thing sounded heavenly until about the fourth week. And I couldn't swallow a piece of meat if I tried. It just got nasty after a while. But, buddy, I lost some weight. I lost about 20 pounds. I got down to a very slim, trim, hot, sexy. <laughs> Boy, that woke y'all up, didn't it? Got more response on that than I do Sunday morning. That's right. Uh, but as you can see, because I didn't change my mind on that 180 pounds, I went right back up over 200, and I've been climbing ever since. And uh, I thank God that they make pants. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Man, they just keep going. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm using a silly, simple illustration but the reality of that, the truth of that, is off the chart. If you don't change the way you think about your past, about who you are, about your life, about your future, about where you are right now, it's hard to get rid of things out of our head. You, you, you have to learn to change your mind. So <clears throat> here's the big question that we all ask, where did my character defects come from nobody wants to admit that you have a character defect but we all do 
Okay, let, let's just be honest with ourselves. Some, we all vary, and they're all different, and some are to greater degrees than others. But nonetheless, if you want to be a better person, you have to admit sometimes that there's a problem and, and or there's a, a defect. I'm trying to be kind here tonight. So where did it come from? Uh, scholars will tell us that our character defects came from three sources. Number one, they're biological. Number two, they're sociological. And number three, they're theological. And let's make it clear. Number one, chromosomes or DNA. Circumstances and choices. Bottom line, make us who we are tonight. DNA, circumstances, and choices. So that's where your defect, your defects come from. So let's talk about, first of all tonight, let's talk a little bit about DNA just for a few minutes. Your mom and daddy, whether you like it or not, contributed to you 23,000 of their chromosomes each. So you got 23 from your daddy and you got 23,000 from your mama. Whether you like them or not, whether you think they're wonderful or not, whether you think you got a fair shake as a kid, all of that, it doesn't matter. You got them in you. And you can't change it. Uh, you can't go get a, a DNA transplant. If I did, I'm not sure I'd want somebody else's. I'm not guaranteed it's going to be better off than mine. So, But you've inherited some of their weaknesses. You've inherited some of their physical defects, possibly. You've inherited some of their emotional defects. So that's one source where we struggle with our life is because of that. This explains, listen to Pastor tonight, watch the screen. This explains your uh, predisposition towards certain problems, but it does not excuse your sin. For instance, because of my parents, I may have a tendency to have a very hot temper. But that doesn't excuse me to go out and murder somebody when I got angry at them. Doesn't excuse sin. I may have a tendency to be lazy. But that doesn't excuse me from doing nothing with my life. I may have a genetic tendency towards certain addictions. But that doesn't excuse me to go out and make the choice to become addicted. The second area that causes challenging things with us as individual people are circumstances. All of us here tonight were raised in a certain way. And you learned a lot of your ways of relating your preferences and your habits from your parents and either other persons of influence in your life. You learn to respond in certain ways. You learn to cover for yourself and you learned how to handle hurt and rejection. So a lot of our character defects are simply self-defeating attempts to meet unmet needs. A lot of our character defects are simply self-defeating attempts to meet unmet needs. So Watch this as we explain what that means. For example, everybody has a legitimate need for respect. There was somebody years ago when I was a teenager wrote a song about it, and they spelled the word respect. I don't know who wrote it. It didn't make that big of an impression on me for some reason. But if you don't get respect early in your life, then you'll settle for attention, and you figure out various ways to get it, even if it's negative attention. Everyone has a legitimate need for love, but if you didn't get love, you may have settled for sex to obtain emotional closeness with someone. Everyone has a legitimate need for security, but if you didn't get security, you may settle for materialism to prove to yourself and to others that you are truly a worthwhile person. So a lot of your character defects are simply self-defeating attempts to meet unmet needs. The third area that can cause us problems and issues comes from our choices that we make in life. Has anybody ever chose to do something that you wish to goodness you could go back and do over? Anybody here tonight married that wish you could go? No, I'm kidding. Anybody here tonight have kids that you wish you could? Uh, If you choose to do something long enough, it becomes a habit 
And once it becomes a habit, then you're kind of stuck in it. Things you never intended to develop in your life are created because you chose to do a certain thing long enough that it became a habit. Character defects are often positive qualities taken to an extreme over time because they were misused. So as the old saying goes, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. So the question comes tonight from all of us. I live this every day, and I thoroughly enjoy sharing this kind of material. I live it. This is, this is pastor right here that I'm teaching tonight. Why is it so hard to change the defects in my life? Uh, I'm probably the only one here tonight, but I, I, I wake up some mornings. Um, currently, my state of mind currently is I am insanely depressed because I just turned 62, and I am Social Security eligible, and I can't believe it. I cannot believe this has happened to me. I still, sh- I still should be, Sheila Goins, I should still be 25 years old, and I'm not, and I don't understand what happened. You be quiet. (laughs) So why is it so hard to change the defects in my life? First of all, it's because I've had them for so long. You didn't get your character defects overnight. For most of us here tonight, it took years. And that's why you're not going to lose them overnight. Many of the habits, patterns, and responses you have were developed during your childhood. I know that to be true in my own personal life. If we can be honest here tonight and open-minded, I'm asking you to do that. These habits and patterns and responses, a lot of them, again, were developed during our childhood, and they may not be comfortable. They may not even be self-defeating, but at least they are familiar it's, it's like an old pair of shoes. It's like an old pair of shoes. Maybe they're not the best for running, but they're comfortable. And we've had them for so very long, they're hard to get rid of. So a lot of things that we deal with that we're uncomfortable to get rid of, and why it's so difficult to get rid of is because we've had it We've been in possession of it for so long. The second reason is because I identify with it. I identify with it. Watch this here tonight. Follow me. Many times we confuse our identity with our character defects. We look at things that are wrong with us or that we believe is wrong with us, and we say that's who we are. That's our identity. We say, well, that's just the way I am. I've said that. I'll put a blank uh, word in the blank and say, well, that's just that's who I am. But you don't have to be that way. You can change. When you say, that's just the way I am, then you're associating your identity with the things that are defeating you. Complete this sentence in your mind tonight. It's just like me to be blank. Or it's just like me to be a blank. A workaholic. Undisciplined. A worrier. Too passive? To be a procrastinator? I mean, can you say it's just like me to lose my temper? It's just like me to be depressed? It's just like me to be lonely? When you say these things about yourself, when you think these things about yourself, you're setting yourself up. When you identify yourself with your character defect, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You say, I'm always nervous when I get on an airplane. So if you say that, what's going to happen the next time you get on an airplane? You're going to be nervous. So you set yourself up by saying, that's who I am. But it doesn't have to be. That can change. It can. It takes some discipline and it takes some accountability, but it can change. Psychologists tells us that One of the reasons we can't change is because we're afraid of it. 
I've worked with a lot of people. I've worked more with myself than anybody else on this subject, I can promise you. I have a lot of experience in this subject with myself. I do this every day. I live this every day. I was very happy to tell somebody today that the Glenn Murphy that existed when I was 18 years old does not exist anymore. That person doesn't exist anymore. Not just because he's now 62, but there's been a lot of work, a lot of hard work that went into that person every day. I used to say people can't change, but I believe you can. If you're disciplined and if you're accountable, those are the two primary factors to change. But a lot of people don't want to change because you're so comfortable with who you are now that if I change, what am I going to change into? I'm afraid of what I'll become. Will people like me if I change to be that? Will I be accepted if I change to be this other person? Will my spouse continue to love me if I change to be this other person? Will my kids love me if I change? People have a fear of change. If I really let go of this particular part of me, will I still be me? I think sometimes it would be really awesome to know somebody who was formerly an idiot that's no longer an idiot. I just think that'd be amazing to, to have that experience. Well, it's, it's happened. There are some people here tonight that used to be an idiot. I, I'm just being honest here tonight. I'm just, I'm just, I, I used to be an idiot. Still am most of the time. Being one right now, as a matter of fact. But there's a lot of people here tonight that used to be in one way or another, but you've allowed the Spirit of the Lord to get into your life and work with you and be patient with you. And I'm going to come to that point in a little while. And it's made you a better person. There's people here tonight that's allowed their spouse to make them into a better person. I've heard them say it. There's people here tonight that, that, that's had kids with certain personalities and certain needs that's made them into a better person. It forced you. You don't have any choice. It's like having a child that's deaf. If you're going to commu- communicate with that child, you have to learn some sign language, right? So depending on our kids and their personalities and their needs and whatever, it makes us think different. Makes you react different. I remember when Marcus was born, just seeing him changed my life. I've got a kid now. I'm responsible for him. That ain't my parents' kids. That's not someone else's kid. That's mine. It changed everything about me. Just that one thing. So if I let go of this, will I still be me. The answer to that question is yes, you'll just be a better me. But you say, well, this has always been a part of me. I've always been like this. I'll, if I let go of it, will I still be me? And what would I be like without it? Uh, well, let me ask this question that we can all relate to. I, I've known of people through the years. There's a lot of you folks here tonight that have too that I've known of ladies that was married to an alcoholic husband, and he comes and prays through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and he's delivered from alcohol. They didn't divorce the following week because he was no longer an alcoholic. Give me a break. She welcomed the idea. If you're changing to be better, who's going to argue with that? And if anybody likes you being a creep, you probably need to get them out of your life on some level. I'm just being honest here tonight. There are, there are spouses, especially women, who's been encouraged by their husbands to do things inappropriate and, and behave inappropriate and wear things inappropriate. She just stood her ground and said, absolutely not, I'm not going to do that. Well, he pouted and fussed and cussed for a while, but he got over it after a while. You don't have to cave in to people's expectations of you when it's not making you better. The other reason we are not anxious to change is because the way we live right now, there, there's some element of payoff. Every character defect has a payoff. It, 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 it may mask my pain. I have come to the conclusion in, in pastoring now for well, 35 plus years. Um, it's <laughs> I've come to this realization, and it was a horrible realization to come to, but I've literally known people that had a certain sickness or disease and did not want to be healed of it. Because if they were, they wouldn't get any more attention. 
I'd rather die of something than people going on and on over me all the time than to be healed and live an extra 10, 15 years and not have all the people going on and on about me. <clears throat> There's a payoff sometimes to our difficult sides of us. And, and, and when we get payoff from it, uh, you may mask my pain, but it may give me an excuse to fail and it may allow me to compensate for guilt and it may get attention from me. It may allow me to control other people. Anytime a negative behavior is repeated, even though it's self-destructive, there's always a payoff somewhere in that person's mind. Very few people, it's, it's a trait of humanity, very few people do things that don't get rewarded. We don't do things that doesn't get rewarded. In a weird sort of way, your character defect works for you. And you subconsciously do, you, you don't want to let go of that payoff. Again, you're setting yourself up for repeated failure. I, I would to, to the Lord tonight and, and every part of me. There's folks here tonight, I wish you would hear the content of this. You, you can be better. You don't have to wake up tomorrow morning facing that same horrible thought pattern, that same horrible lifestyle cycle, that same place of poverty, whether it's financial, mental, emotional, whatever level you want to put it on, you don't have to live in that forever. You don't. It's a choice. The fourth reason is we don't want to change, and I'm going to have to move here. Hey, they don't have the clock on back there. Is that Brother Greg back there? Thank you, man. There's no clock back there. Hallelujah. The fourth reason is because the devil discourages me. Satan, the Bible said, is the accuser, and he does his job well. He constantly suggests negative thoughts. He'll say to you, this will never work for you. You can't do it. Who, who do you think you are anyway? If, if you think you're going to change, forget it. Other people can change, but not you. You're stuck. You're hopeless. Don't even think about changing. But again, the Bible says that the devil's a liar. But the Bible, the same Bible also says, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. When you believe a lie, it keeps you defeated. But believing the truth is liberating. So how do I cooperate with God's change process? Paul tells me in Romans to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I've taught this in home Bible study circles many times. The book of Acts tells you how to get saved. The rest of the New Testament tells you how to stay saved. And if you read the New Testament epistles carefully, it doesn't deal with the heart quite as much as it does the mind. It's the way people think. It's the way people think. It's the way you think. My thoughts, one person said, my thoughts are the autopilot of my life. They are. That applies to everybody here tonight. The way you think is the autopilot of your life. If you want to change your life, you have to change the way you think. The Bible teaches that your thoughts determine your feelings. The Bible teaches that your thoughts determine your feelings. And then your feelings determine your actions. Imagine you're in a boat on a huge lake somewhere that has an autopilot on it. And it is set to go due east. The autopilot is set to go due east. You can grab the wheel and temporarily force the boat to go west. But as soon as you get tired of forcing it to go west and let go of the wheel, what is it going to do? It's going to go east again, right? So that's the way our thoughts work. Only by sheer willpower can you go the opposite way that you're naturally inclined to go i remember when sister murph and i married and i've shared this before but it fits right here um i woke up one morning and i'll just be very honest and very transparent i just reached the point where i hated myself i just i got tired of living with me i wanted to divorce me i wanted to put me up for adoption so i could go on with my life without me in it does that make sense to anybody Y'all don't look at me like that. There's people, y'all, you know what I'm talking about. 
So I wrote down on a, a piece of paper, I'm not going through the whole story, but I, I wrote down about eight things that I, about me that I wanted to change. And I've literally come home from work. And on the way home, as I pulled up in my driveway, I said to myself, I am not going to be moody and angry right now. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to walk in the house and just be normal. I'm going to kiss Sister Murphy. I'm going to play with the kids. I don't feel like it. On the inside, my brain is raging. I'm angry. I want to just plummet into this bad mood that I just want to go to my room and just sit down and close the door and turn out the lights and just sit there and feel sorry for myself. That's the way I felt. But I didn't do it. I'm telling you folks, I live this every day. I walked in the house and I was a nice guy. Now that's not what I was thinking, but that's what I was doing. So only by sheer willpower can you go the opposite way that you are naturally inclined to go. You make decisions, resolutions, and promises. We've all said it before. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this. I'm going to lose weight. We've all done it, but we didn't throw it away. We were cleaning out a box one day, and there it was, and we put it right back on. The problem when we try to do all of this through sheer willpower and all that as we get tired of forcing the wheel, the steering wheel in the opposite direction, and, and you just get tired, and you just let go of it. And before you know it, you're right back into the same pattern you were before. I really want to make a change. I have to change my autopilot. What is your autopilot? It's when you think. Here's your autopilot. It's when you think. It's just like me. And you fill in the blank. It's just like me to be depressed. It's just like me to be lonely. It's just like me to be a workaholic. It's just like me to be angry. It's just like me to be moody. It's just like me to be depressed. It's just like me to complain. It's just like me to not like anything. Where is it? I don't like anything guy here tonight. He's not here tonight. All right. What did I call him last night? I don't like it. I-D-K-I. Since his new initials talking about Rex it's a long story <clears throat> your thoughts your thoughts is your autopilot and until you can learn to discipline your thoughts the Bible teaches us to do this until you learn how to discipline your thoughts you'll never change you have to change the way you think the Bible said as a man thinketh in his heart it's not up to who, what other people think about it. That's not who determines who we are. It's what we think. So the Bible said that. So if you want to change who you are, then you need to learn to think different. Okay. So real quickly here tonight, I have 48 ways to change your thinking. I need to spend about 30 minutes on each one, but I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm just going to shorten it to seven and just spend a few minutes on each one. Okay. Seven ways to change your thinking. Number one, focus on changing one part of you at a time. Don't, don't go through this big examination inventory thing and say, man, I've come up with 200 things. It's impossible. No, pick one. Just pick one. The Bible said, here comes scripture, wisdom is before him that hath understanding. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. And you may say, Pastor, this series is great, but I've got 50 things that I want to change in my life. Don't do that. Don't do that. You'll get overwhelmed and you'll get discouraged. Back in the day when I did it, and I didn't read psychology and all that, we didn't even have the Internet back then. Believe it or not, there was no Facebook. We actually talked to people in person back then. It was great. It's amazing back then. Some of you old folks in here need to say something once in a while when I say something good and profound like that. Wouldn't hurt nothing. Help me out here for crying out loud. But I wrote too many things down back then. I, I, it's about eight or ten things. I found it a number of years ago, and I probably still have it somewhere. But I, I wrote too many things down. I should have just took one. And I tried to take a big bite 
and just really changed my life. And I worked on it for, I mean, it was two or three years. I taped this in front of the mirror that I, on the mirror that I comb my hair in front of every morning. So I saw it many times a day because I just adored looking at my, and I just once or twice a day, I'd see it and, I, and I'd, I'd read that and I'd determine, and if I fell off the wagon, I'd just get up and dust myself off and let's try again. But if you take off too many things, you'll get overwhelmed and discouraged and you'll not end up changing anything. So, and, 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 and don't just pray, God, I'd like to be a better person. But that in itself can be denial. But you've got to be specific that, God, this is what I want to work on. I, I hate this about myself. I don't think you're pleased with this about myself. And I want to be a better person. I want to be a better person in this way and pray that way. I've prayed that God would help me be a better father. And I named him ways of how. Number one, patient. Help me to be more patient. My kids will never believe that I used to pray that way. They readily admit it didn't do one ounce of good, but I prayed it. I'm still not a real patient person. But I tried, and I'm still working on it. I ain't over with yet. Who knows? Maybe one day it'll happen. But don't just pray in general terms. Pray specifically. Go to God in prayer and let him show you which part of you could be the most damaging in your life. And let him help you start working on that first, one at a time. The second thing to do is to focus on victory one day at a time. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day. Not month, not week, not year. Give us this day. God wants to give you enough strength to change for one day. I've heard people say that I want to quit smoking. I don't know the total success of, of, of terminating nicotine in a person's life. I mean, I've seen God do it over and over and over just like that with people. But all these other plans, the patch and thing you iron on your arm and you don't, don't iron it on. It was just a joke. My goodness. Um, but people go through all this stuff. But I, I thought about it one time. I asked somebody, could you go five minutes without a cigarette? Oh, yeah. Could you go an hour? Yeah, I think I could. Could you go four hours? Well, I don't know about that. Okay, well, make it a goal to go four hours then. And then celebrate that victory when you do. And then your next goal is to go five. And then go six. And you celebrate Every accomplishment, every victory. I've gone to bed at night, folks, and saying I am so thankful that I wasn't moody today. I beat it today. It didn't beat me today. I beat it. I'm being serious here tonight. I'm not playing. Somebody said one time, how do you eat an elephant? Anybody know the answer to that? One bite at a time. Somebody said, by the yard, life is hard, but by the inch, life's a cinch. You didn't create your problem overnight, and you won't conquer it overnight. Break it down into bite-sized pieces and work on it one day at a time and celebrate, celebrate, celebrate when you win. Get your spouse on board if they're not too big of an idiot. Get them on board with you and be able to tell them that, Call them at work. Honey, you're not going to believe this. But I went three hours without being or without thinking or without doing whatever it is you want to put in the blank. I made it. And hopefully if they have any sense, they'll go, yay. Just one day. Just, God, for just today, if you'll just help me today, I want to be blank today this will keep you from making rash vows that none of us ever keep god if you'll help me with this i promise i will never do it and don't do that talked about that last week you're doomed to failure if you say that jesus said take no thought think think don't think about tomorrow live today to the very best of your ability. He said, take no thought. Get tomorrow out of your head. Don't make these rash vows and rash promises and all that business. Just do it for today. And celebrate when you go to bed that 
Bless God, I did it today, man. I was that person I've wanted to be all of my life. I was that today. Because if you can do it today and persuade yourself that I can do it today, then chances are you can repeat that tomorrow. Third thing is to focus on God's power, not willpower. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah thirteen twenty three, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or can the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. It's hard to change. But you can do it one day at a time. We already know that willpower isn't enough because if willpower worked, we'd already be that person we want to be, right? In fact, depending on your own strength actually blocks you being a better person. But here's the good news. Told you I was going to come to this. Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. The fourth thing, and I've got to hurry the clock. Is, I, I understand I need to get going here. The fourth thing is to focus on what I want. Focus on what I want to be, not on what I don't want to be. Focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. It is good. Who said that? Somebody raised their hand. I heard somebody say, nobody's doing nothing. I heard somebody say, that's good. Well, raise your hand. For, can you do that? Okay, thank you. I'm not angry. I'm just, thank you for some response here. Hallelujah, glory to God. But focus on what I want. I love me sometimes. I think I'm doing amazing here tonight. Thank you. That's right. It's one way to get some appreciation, ain't it? Just go ahead and say it. But that's what I wanted. <laughs> I focused on what I wanted, not one that I don't want. Watch this in the Bible. I told you this is biblical. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good to report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise... You hear it? Think on it. Think, think, think. It's by the renewing of your mind is what you think. Whatever you focus on is what you move toward. Whatever you focus on is what dominates your life. Whatever you focus on gets your attention. Do you know not once in the Bible does God command you to resist temptation? Why? Because whatever you resist will persist. The harder you push against it, the harder it pushes back. The Bible does say to resist the tempter, not the temptation. Resist the devil, and what does he do? He will flee from you. If you resist temptation, she's going, you got to think. Think, 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 think. All right. Instead of resisting, the Bible teaches refocusing so don't just sit there saying i don't want this turn the mental channel of your mind this is the power of affirming the word of god there's over six thousand promises in the bible from god to man that you can think about saturate your mind with them so you can use them to counteract the negative thoughts of the devil and the thoughts that other people throw at you once you become a christian your identity is based on your relationship with god not your character defect. Number five, focus on doing good, not feeling good. Focus on doing good. Focus on doing good, not feeling good. <laughs> when you pastor a church, you have to focus all the time on doing good because oftentimes that ain't what you want to do at the moment. You want to tell that person you sorry, low down, good for nothing, right, 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 right. That's why Galatians, Paul said this, I say then, walk in the Spirit. He said, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So when you do the right thing, your feelings will eventually catch up with you. 
Y'all didn't hear that. I'm sorry. When you do the right thing, your feelings will eventually catch up. But if you wait until you feel like it, you'll never do it. We were at a stoplight last night. Uh, and there was a fellow on the side of the road and uh, wanting money. I have vowed to never give people money. I give them a gift card, but I'm not giving them money. I don't know. There's just something about it. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't in a great frame of mind at the moment. I just I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling nothing. It felt comatose almost. And I reached behind me and pulled out my wallet. And Sister Murphy said, you going to give him money? I said, yeah, I am. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. I didn't do it for this. I I wasn't even thinking about this at that moment. So I gave him $3. And when the light turned green and I made the corner, just kind of did a, huh. That felt pretty good. So I did something good for this for a person and my feelings caught up with me I didn't leave my feelings at the traffic light they caught up with me and by the time I got to where I was going I was feeling pretty good that did the trick I'm being honest being honest if you do the right thing your feelings will eventually catch up with you it's always easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action that's profound right there, man. Uh, I don't know if Woodward did that or not. But somebody needs, to, you know, somebody needs to Facebook that right there. Somebody get on your phone and take a picture of that. You've been playing on your phone anyway. And put it on Facebook and Instagram. There's people there. I can tell when you're on your phone, your face is blue. Y'all don't know I should have said that. <laughs> it reflects off your face and you look like little Smurfs all over the, sitting all over the building. <laughs> All right, number six. Focus on people who help me, not on people who hinder me. I'll tell you folks, I wouldn't, I'd have a hard time every day if I didn't know that I had an amazing bunch of folks at this church that I can lean on solid every single day, every single day. I leaned hard on somebody last night and asked them to do something very special to me, and they did it. And it has meant the world to me. I focus, do my best to focus on people who can help me, not people that hinder me. The Bible said, 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three, be not deceived. Evil communications, evil conduct, corrupt good manners. If you don't want to get stung, stay away from bees. Don't hang around the things that mess you up. The wise man said in Ecclesiastes, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. You can't recover on your own because recovery always happens in a relationship. The Bible said in Proverbs that irons that iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Number seven, and I'm done. I'm landing gears down. Focus on progress, not perfection. Focus on your progress. You celebrate every little bitty victory. You celebrate every little victory you have. The Bible said in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What a promise. But you have to try. You have to give God something to work with. Pastor, I've been trying to do what you've been teaching, but I don't see a whole lot of change yet. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Recovery is decision followed by a process. Some of you may be thinking that God will only love you once you get to a certain stage, once you conquer a certain problem and you are dead in the water wrong. God loves you right now just like you are. 
God loves you at each stage in your spiritual growth. God will never, God will never love you any more than he does right now. You know what else? God will never love you any less than he does right now. Wise and loving parents enjoy their children at each stage of their development. And God is our Heavenly Father. He loves you when you're right. He loves you when you're wrong. He loves you when you're weak. And He loves you when you're strong. He'll never, ever change. He's every day the same. For God is God. And God is love. So there's all of us here tonight can put a big old smile on our face and walk out of here saying Jesus loves me and he's in my corner no matter what I've heard Sister Murphy say 10,000 times and every time she says it she says it to me like she has never said it before but she said I am committed to love our kids unconditionally I don't care what they do I'm going to love them no matter what. Well, if she can do that as a mother, don't you think God can do that as God? He loves you folks unconditionally, and he's not going to love you more when you get better. And he's not going to love you less if you get worse. He loves you the same, and he rejoices and helps you in your development. We serve an awesome God tonight. Thank the Lord. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your attention. And uh, I'm going to be really, really generous here tonight and kind. I have four minutes left, but I'm going to sacrifice them for you tonight. So you're welcome. So God bless you tonight. Love you, folks. Love Grace Church. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you.